You listen to 247 Real Talk. Once again, this is your host, Julian Perry. And for this episode, a very special episode, I'll be speak to, speaking with Mr. Dennis Scott regarding the Mr. Rogers Project and lots more. We'll be right back. Good evening, Dennis. Welcome to 247 Real Talk. It's uh, just after 11 p.m. on Wednesday, April 20th. Thank you for joining me for this episode. Oh, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yes, I don't know. I seem to be a bit tongue-tied tonight. You, know, you could hear that in my intro, but hopefully my tongue will become untied as we <laughs> go along in the, uh, in the conversation. So <clears throat> let, me, let me give my audience a little uh, heads up, first of all. So there have been so many tough, so many difficult uh, things to deal with in society. And we've been dealing with a lot of them on 247 Real Talk, a lot of serious topics, mental health and suicide. And, and, and ever so often I get the privilege and the honor of bringing someone on who lightens the mood a bit and tells us about something that's totally away from all that, but it's quite interesting. So that's what we're going to talk about in this episode, not just the Mr. Pro- Rogers Project, but all the things that you've been involved in. So let's start out by you telling my audience a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, where should I start? <laughs> well, I actually started uh, at a pretty young age in the um, entertainment industry. When I was seven years old, I was a child actor. And um, I did my first Broadway show when I was a little over seven, and it was a a Noel Coward musical, and it it ran for about a year and a half, and had an amazing adventure doing it, and that led to doing commercials on television and even some TV shows. Uh, I was on a Sammy Davis Jr. special and a Jonathan Winters show, and an episode of Brute 66 that some of your listeners may know that it's it's way from the 60s, but it it was a pretty popular show. And eventually I made the transition into becoming a musician and a, a songwriter and uh, began writing songs. And uh, my story is that I, I wrote a novelty song, which you don't hear too many of those on the radio these days, but they uh, they show up every once in a while. And this was a song called Captain Kirk's Disco Trek. And you guess, you guess it happened during the disco era. And uh, it actually got recorded in Denmark. I joke about it because I see that all the Denmark teenagers went out and bought it and used it for hubcaps in their cars. But <laughs> the truth is um, I, took it to, I took it to a children's record label in New Jersey and they said, well, we don't need this, but we like your writing. Would you like to try to write some things for us? And I did. And that led to an introduction to Sesame Street, uh, where they had a project in mind, but they weren't ready to like hire me or pay me anything. They said, well, if you want to come in you know, maybe four days a week, uh, put on a tie and a jacket and make phone calls and try to guess, get us some guest celebrity artists to appear on this Sesame Country album we have in mind, you know, you know, we'll see what happens. And that's what I did. I, 
I went there as if I was an employee and I made phone calls and I got Glenn Campbell and Loretta Lynn and some other artists to show up on this album and sing duets with the Muppets. And long, very long story short, um, I ended up recording and producing the album. I had never produced my own album before. I had only done production work on my own songwriting demos with a four-track machine in my bedroom. Uh, but for some reason, they, they had faith in me, and I went to Nashville to record it, and it turned out to win a Grammy Award. So, And here I am talking to you now. So all, all things come around. Yeah, wow. That's, that's an amazing intro. Um, I know with, with the interest in what you said that uh, my audience will be very interested in, I know you, you really want to talk about the Mr. Rogers Project and, and then some other things. Because obviously you've, you know, you've interacted with, worked with, you know, a, a lot of well-known celebrities and people of interest. And so tell us about your favorite project. Oh, my gosh. Well, sometimes, I don't know if this is the same for other producers, but when you do a lot of projects, sometimes your favorite project is the one you last worked on because it's most fresh in your mind. Although uh, I have to say the Sesame Street album I just mentioned was very special because it was my first Grammy Award, and I I got it before I was even 30 years old and was you know new to the industry, but it introduced me to uh, the town of Nashville, which is where I live now. And it was such an amazing experience working with these fabulous musicians who really made me sound good because they were just outstanding at what they did. And the recording studio and the singers, it was a, I just fell in love with the creativity of the town and that you, know, you could walk down Music Row and once one building was a music publisher and the next building was a, a manager and another next building was a recording studio. So it, it was just a synergy of energy. Um, I hope that wasn't too redundant. With just all this energy floating around from people who were so creative. And so that was a very special time for me. And uh, then this Mr. Rogers album, which we can talk about if you like, um, was also very special. In some ways it was more challenging and we can talk about that too, but um, getting, uh, just so your listeners know, this album we're referring to is called Thank You, Mr. Rogers, Music and Memories. And the concept of it was to get different well-known artists to record songs written by Fred Rogers, because a lot of people don't know that he wrote over 200 songs for his television show. But uh, they didn't, no, most people don't make the connection that he was actually the songwriter as well as the uh, the TV host. So um, I got people like uh, Vanessa Williams to sing a beautiful song that Fred wrote. And uh, you know, it was very exciting for me to work with Mickey Dolenz, who was in the group The Monkees. And as a teenager growing up, I, I loved The Monkees. They were my heroes. So it's an out-of-body experience to be standing next to one of your heroes and actually be the person who's in essence his boss of the recording session saying, no, I need you to sing this way. Or, And of course, you have to realize, well, how much do you tell an artist who has achieved so much? Do you do you let them do all their own thing or do you try to guide them? And and it's really kind of a, you know, a balance between doing both those things. Um, so 
I would say to answer your question, uh, I'm going to say that I, I think I had the most fun recently with this Mr. Rogers project that I just worked on. Okay. And there was, there was, there were, I'm sure there are details that you want to share with us. Oh, good golly. Yeah. <laughs> How many hours do we have? Uh, <laughs> well, tell uh, us about the well, most, tell us about your, maybe your top three or top four. Well, one thing that might give some context to the story about making this album is that um, people who are listening who maybe either want to get into the business or are already in the music industry will will appreciate the fact that there are a lot of bumps in the road. I mean, as much as I, I felt good about doing this project and wanted to honor Mr. Rogers and take his songs to yet another level – the people that run his business had to be convinced and they were not, they were not totally behind the project, which is disappointing because, um, you know, part of what their job is to promote the legend and, and memory of Fred Rogers. Cause he was a gr- not only a great educator and a great musician, but he was a really special person who had a, a philosophy of kindness that uh, we can all use a little bit of that. Now, in fact, people who I, run into when I tell them I just worked on the Mr. Rogers project, they, they all say, Oh, he was so wonderful. We, we certainly could use him today. But, um, once we got past some of those things and I was determined to do the project, I kind of used that same approach of calling a lot of different artists in the music business. And, uh, you can imagine, you know, some of them wanted to do it, but didn't have time to do it. And some, we're not so interested, but the people that we ended up with were, you know, really special people. Um, well, here's, uh, you know, these albums take on a life of their own. Originally, it wasn't even going to be an album of music because I didn't have a record label behind it and I didn't have financial backing. So it was, um, it was either do the album or pay for my son's college education. So I decided to do the album. <laughs> I'm, I'm half joking. My son still <laughs> went to college. But um, we, uh, we, it was going to be a, a spoken word album, interviewing people, telling their stories about having either written to Mr. Rogers or met him. And these are great stories. And I thought, well, let's get just maybe one artist to sing a song on it, because that was about all I th- felt we could, we could afford to do. But, uh, and the first artist was Rita Wilson, who is married to Tom Hanks, who actually played Mr. Rogers in the movie that came out last year. And uh, when, once she came on board, other artists to come on board. So eventually we had 12 artists and there was no more room for the spoken interviews. So it, we decided, OK, now it's going to be a music album, and uh, which let, gave me the opportunity to work with some of the people I mentioned um, but we still kept uh, the gentleman who was going to play host to all these interviews. That's Tom Bergeron. And I bet a lot of people know Tom. If the, if the name doesn't ring a bell immediately, if I said America's Funniest Home Video, you'd remember him from that and more recently Dancing to the Stars. And he's he's a great guy and a lot of fun and so talented and good at what he does. But we didn't know that he loved to sing. and. Uh, Originally, he was just going to speak, and I, I guess in our conversation, he was either humming or singing a Mr. Rogers song off the cuff. And I said, "Do that again." And uh, 
it turns out he has a very pleasant voice. And then when we were in the recording studio, he started to whistle a little bit. I mean, not just, you know, average whistling, really like a professional whistler. And I said, this is great. How would you feel about doing that in the song? And he, he did, and it turned out just perfectly. So these are some of the things you don't expect to happen, but, but they happened anyway. And um, do I have time for one more, hopefully, quick story? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sure the, the, the audience is listening. Go ahead. Okay, so things happen for a reason, or they happened unexpectedly for a reason. Um, I was scheduled to record, um, let's see, I was going out to record Mickey Dolan's and a group called the Cowsills, who some of your listeners will remember from their song from the 60s, I Love the Flower Girl, and I think it was in the movie Dumb and Dumber with Jim Carrey. Anyway, uh, I went out and the first leg of the journey was to make that recording. And then I was supposed to go to Oklahoma City to record Sandy Patty, who is a really beloved Christian recording artist. Uh, and when I was in Los Angeles, I got a phone call from um, a manager who works with Vanessa Williams. And he said, we would like to do the project, too. And I said, that's great. When do you want to do it? And he, this was on a Thursday. He said, well, Vanessa has to be in England on next Tuesday, so we'd have to do it you know, before then. And I said, but today's the end of Thursday, and we have only tomorrow and a weekend, and then I guess Monday's the only day we could do it, and we don't even have a song set for her. Um, how is this going to happen? And I think part of my role as a producer is to solve problems, but luckily, uh, the Christian artist I told you about, Sandy Patty, her manager called me and said, Sandy has this tooth problem. She can't, she can't sing. So I, I said, would you be willing to let us use the song we were going to give you and give that to Vanessa Williams? And I will go from Oklahoma, which I had my plane ticket. I couldn't get out of the plane ticket. There were no more flights straight from Los Angeles back to Nashville. So I had to go and sit in Oklahoma and get on the phone and call recording studios and get a crew together and get the music to Vanessa Williams, get her to, to approve the song in time. Long story short, again, uh, we got all that done. And thanks to Sandy, Pandy, Sandy Patty being so gracious, giving us the song and Vanessa being such a pro, uh, we recorded the song, you know, 48 hours after I got the call. And it's really one of the highlights of the album, I think. She did a beautiful job on it. Wow, that's so, great. So let's, <clears throat> let's get into some, um, some more tricky questions. Like, of, of, of all well, I the... the last one was tricky. <laughs> well, yeah, this is going to get even trickier then. So of all of the celebrities okay. that you've worked with, um, who would you consider, it could be more than one, um, your most favorite overall, and why? Ooh, that is tricky. Um, because they're favorites for different reasons. Um, I mentioned Nicky Dolan's from the Monkees. That's a favorite because it was sort of a dream come true. I, I'm a big Beatles fan and a big Monkees fan, and uh, chances of meeting all the Beatles are becoming less and less because there are only two left, um, and that may never happen. But that was one special moment. Um, I think I, I work on another 
project some years ago, I got to work with um, Roberta Flack, who is such a, a talented and exquisite voice. And her, she's on the soundtrack of our lives. I mean, just take out the original recording of Killing Me Softly and listen to that. And and it's just amazing to be able you, – you start to realize why these people – are who they are and how they became because they are they are so unique their voices you cannot mistake her voice for somebody else's voice and and that's what makes them so special so that that was a, another special moment i mean when i was a kid i you know cuz i maybe it's cuz you may ask me earlier but working with uh, somebody like Sammy Davis who is like the most gifted entertainer maybe of all time he was he could sing he could dance he does impressions he did comedy um you know how i i don't know if the tender age of 12 or however old i was whether i really got what how lucky i was to be doing that but i i realize it now and uh uh, I mean, those are just a few. I mean, uh, it's almost like which which of your children do you love the most? I don't know. <laughs> it's hard well, to say. I would think that different personalities. You know, the thing about it, you know, to, and to give my my audience some entertainment about this too. You know, we we see or we we know of celebrities who you know we see one side of them, so to speak, and then we hear from people who actually work with them, and we kind of. You know, here, you know, there's another side to them because in you know, many cases, the celebrity that we encounter as, as a fan or whatever is not the same person behind the scenes. So one of the reasons for asking you that question is to kind of get into whether the, the person the public knows happens to be mm-hmm. the same person that you worked with, in your opinion. Right. Well, a good example of that would be um, I got to work with B.J. Thomas, his most famous song being Raindrops Are Falling On My Head, um, another man with a, such a distinct voice. And he came in with no airs about him, just uh, happy, to, happy to sing and happy to go to work. Um, John Cicada was that way, too. He, he lives in Miami. And he flew into Nashville to record, and I picked him up at the airport, and we were just talking about his days at the University of Miami, and when he started singing, it was some artists, you know, if they're not into the project, they'll they'll do what they have to do, and they'll leave as soon as they can. Um, but he, he, after he sang his lead vocal, he said, well, do you mind if I try some background vocals? I said, yeah, go for it. And they they really made that particular cut special. So yeah, um, I guess uh, I I probably should not mention the ones that were disappointing, but rather stay positive and just mention those people in particular who did make it special. Vanessa Williams was like that too. She, uh, I didn't realize this, but she comes from a, a musical family and of educators, and a lot of singers don't know how to read music. But she asked if she could get a sheet music version of the song prior to the recording session. So it made my job really easy to walk in and have somebody who knew what they were doing as opposed to learning it in the recording studio. And there were a number of people who did it that way, and that's okay. But in terms of 
creating a less pressure or stress on the recording session, the people who came prepared, that's, that's pretty special. Okay, so two more questions came to mind. The first one would be, if you had to pick, and again, I'm going to put you on the spot, if out of all the people that you've worked with, you had to pick one, I know that's a hard question, <laughs> but that's what we do here. If you had to pick one, if that person, you know, said, oh, you know, you've worked with all these people, and I'm talking about even even in, in the case of someone who may not be with us any longer. If you had to pick one person, dead or alive, who would it be? That that I enjoyed working with, or? If you had to um, pick one that or, you would get the opportunity to work with again, it was the only person you get to work with again. So you had to pick someone, obviously, that you would think excels in every category from your uh, perspective. Who would it be? Wow. Good golly. Uh, that is a toughie. Um, because I, you know, I like working with different people for different reasons, like I said, but, uh, wow, no one has ever asked me that question. Uh, that's why this is real talk. <laughs> that's right. You, you, you're, you got that right. Um, hmm. Well, you know what? Hmm. I'd have to just say, just for the the joy of doing it, with without you know without you know, feeling I had to impress somebody or or had to you know be so much on on the job that I couldn't enjoy myself. From this last Mister Rogers album, this group called the Castles, which um, they've you know had a number of hits. And they were, you know, again, part of the soundtrack of, of my growing up. But um, even though it was a little hard to get them together for the session because they, they live in different parts of the U.S., but once we were together, there was just a good vibe going on. Uh, they, you knew they were happy to do it. You knew they were, they, they grew up watching Mr. Rogers and they came, if you ever get a chance to watch this documentary about them, it's really interesting. They came from a pretty harsh childhood of, with a, of a family that had some dysfunctional things about it. And Mr. Rogers, being the soft, calm, soft spoken man that he was, was a, an island of, of security and love for them. So you, I could tell that they wanted to be there and they wanted it to make it right. And uh, they went out of their way to give me even more than I asked for. And uh, and we just got along great. In fact, I'm going to do a podcast with uh, with Bob Castle in a week or so. So, uh, and, and I'm surprising myself saying this because they may not be as, as famous as some of the other artists that I've, I've worked with. But um, in terms of who would I, you know, without batting an eyelash, just go back and say, I'm going to work with you again. Uh, I think that would be them. And when I speak to them next week, I'll, I'll tell them the same thing. Okay, so that's, that's part one. Part two is, which artists or who would you like to work with that if you got the opportunity, you would jump at it? Which one artist that you've never worked with before? 
um, dead or alive. <laughs> let's let's do um, alive first. Okay. Well, I will say that um, on a couple projects, I've tried to get um, Willie Nelson because I just uh, not that. I'm the world's biggest country music fan. I do love country music, but I love other kinds of music as well. Uh, but he has such a unique style of singing. Um, I thought, just in, I don't know how he would be to work with, but in terms of somebody I've never got to work with, that that would be pretty special, I think. Um, I like working, I'd love to work with Harry Connick. We talked to, about working with him. I'd really love to work with Paul McCartney. I should have put him first on the list because of being such a big Beatle fan. Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr from the Beatles, that would be... Yeah, okay, I'm going to move them right to the top because you know, your listeners don't know this, but I also play in a Beatles band that I lead. It's called the Wanna Beatles. And uh, there is a story about Paul McCartney... Uh, should I tell it? Uh, yes, go ahead. Okay, so I'll try to keep it brief, but um, some uh, several years ago, we produced, we, the Wanna Beatles and myself, produced an album called Fab Fan Memories, uh, The Beatles Bond, and it was a, a compilation of interviewing people about their Mr. Rogers stories, and there are some <laughs> incredible stories about people how what how they tried to meet the Beatles and what they did and um and it turned out that that was nominated for a Grammy in the spoken word category and we were excited about that but more excited because we knew Paul McCartney was going to be at the Grammys the same year and and we thought maybe this is it this is our big chance to meet a Beatle so we wrote this song called uh we want to meet Paul and we did a video for it, and we thought, well, maybe if he gets to see it, and he'll want to meet us too. Well, that didn't happen. <laughs> but um, we—it uh, just shows you how funny life is that we we got we got to breathe the same air as him. We were in the same uh, auditorium where everybody accepted the Grammy Awards, and so Paul was there, and we were there. So that may be as close as I ever get, but um, that's. To answer your question, he—he's the man. And if we were, and if we included it, if we expanded it to dead or alive now, would he still be the man? Yeah, you know what? I think it would be. I really okay. do. I mean, probably everybody wants to meet Frank Sinatra, but um, you know what? If you put a, a a gun to my head, I think I'd still go for Paul. Okay. And out of out of you know, we we know that many celebrities, especially the nice ones. And have um, jovial personalities. Who's the funniest one you've ever worked with? Oh, uh, hmm. well, I have to tell you, uh, Tom working with Tom Bergeron was a lot of fun. Uh, <laughs> we we kind of bonded right away because it turns out we we like a lot of the old um, old time black and white. Uh, movie artists like Laurel and Hardy and Charlie Chaplin. So, uh, and he likes the Beatles too. So we, uh, we kind of, uh, he, he was a cut up on the stage. In fact, um, I got him to do a little, uh, iPhone 
video for me to to say something to my wife, and he said something like, you know, Lori, it's too bad you, you had to say Dennis because we really wanted somebody with some talent to do this thing, and 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 she got such a kick out of it. So, um, you know, and and she loves the show Dancing with the Stars, so it was a thrill for her. So yeah, I, I'm thinking Tom Bergeron. He's a he's a good guy. Okay, so and for for you know to, to sort of tie it all together, you have fun moments, you have moments that have led from you know one project to the next. You know, tell us something else that's really important to you that you'd like to you know share with my audience. Well, um, I, I have to say that. I've done two Mr. Rogers albums now, one from the early in 2005, 2005, and then this recent one. And I, when I did the first one, I, I didn't know about, as much about Mr. Rogers, who he was, what he stood for, and what he was trying to accomplish with this show. I, it was more of a, of a musical and an academic challenge to take the songs that he wrote that were so simple or deceptively simple because they were, he really was gifted as a songwriter. You can, in the same way that Gershwin and Cole Porter and those folks, you know, knew the art of songwriting. Uh, but I was more interested, well, what can I do with it? But in the process, I came to appreciate, you know, what, what a genuinely kind person and and going back to what you asked earlier, you know, this he is such such a a role model. It's people wonder. I wonder if he can't really be that nice. I mean, nobody could be that nice all the time. I'm not saying he was perfect, but when you speak to people who've worked with him, and I have worked with people who have worked with him, they'll they will tell you right away the man you saw on camera was the same man off camera. And I've kind of uh, latched on to wanting to keep his legend and his memory going. In fact, I'm spearheading a, a grassroots campaign to get him inducted into the Songwriters Hall of Fame. And uh, if your listeners are so inclined, they can go to our w website and actually sign a petition, which hopefully will help us do that. Um, the website is thankyoumrrogers.com, and if uh, if we if I piqued your interest at all with some of the stories about these artists who were on this album, um, you can hear cuts from the album on the website and actually see videos of the people that I talked about and hear them singing little snippets of the song and and uh, I encourage you to check it out. Uh, I'm. I'm really, I've become a Mr. F Rogers fan in the process, and uh, I, I hope uh, that the album does its justice. And, and just one more quick story, because this is probably more just as important as winning a Grammy Award. When I did this first Mr. Rogers album, I had no idea how his wife at the time, um, she, she passed away recently, but Joanne Rogers, I had no idea would she like it? Would she be appalled by it? What's going to happen? And I got a message on my my voice machine, and she said, Dennis, I just want you to know I listened to the album, and I love it, 
and Fred would have loved it. And that was all I needed to hear. It really, it really brought it home for me and you know, made it all worthwhile. So there's that. <laughs> okay. So where can, where can my audience, those who are interested and want to get a hold of your project, your material, your anything you've written, where can they go? Well, if you want to hear uh, more things that I've done, uh, a lot of it shows up on my own personal website, which is dennisscott.net. It's all my words, my name spelled out, dennisscott.net, like one word. And um, it'll show you some of the people that we haven't talked about that I've worked with, like the the uh, legendary Ray Charles and, and uh, some of the TV shows that I've written music for. Um, but uh, the Mr. Rogers album is at that website, thankyoumrrogers.com, and that's where you'll be able to check out some of the things, including we just uh, I just produced a a little happy birthday party, Mr. Rogers. He had his he would have been ninety three on March twentieth, so I took some of those interviews that I told you about earlier that we never got to use on the album, and put it into this. Uh, virtual birthday party for Mr. Rogers, and you can actually go and see the whole thing in full in full length. So I hope you will, and, and don't uh, hesitate to drop me a line. There's a place where you can send us notes, and uh, uh, I want to be I want to do what Mr. Rogers did, and he when people would write to him, he would actually write back before computers. He would write in longhand by hand, and then later on via email, but it's amazing that somebody who was inundated by so many fans and people wanting to connect with him, that he would take the time, and I don't mean just writing a little note saying, thanks for the note, best wishes, Mr. Rogers. He wrote well-thought-out, caring messages to these people who uh, took the time to write to him. I mean, I don't know anybody else on this planet who would take the time to do that. So um, um, I want to try to be a little bit more like Fred. So don't don't hesitate to say hello to me. And what's your, for the record, what's your next project? Ah, the next project. Uh, well, first of all, I, I tour with my Beatles band, the Wanna Beatles. So uh, if you want to learn more about that, um, see where we're touring because that's always a project coming up when going from one city to the next. You can just go to thewannabeatles.com, and you have to have the word the in it, otherwise it doesn't go to the right place. But thewannabeatles.com. Uh, and then recording-wise, I'm, I'm like a hired gun. People call me up and say, we need you to write six songs about this, or or record ten songs about this. So I'm working for a company called Mother Goose Club, and they're pretty big in the world of children's music and children's uh, media, and I'm going to be producing 15 songs for them at my studio in Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, that'll be fun. Okay, my last question would be, what TV shows that my audience would know have you been involved with uh, writing music or been some part of? Well, uh, depending on what your age is, um, back well, in the run 80s, the gamut uh, for us. Uh, okay. Well, 
in the 80s, there was a show called Who's the Boss, starring Tony that. Danza. Yes. And uh, that's the show that Ray Charles was a guest artist on. And uh, there's a story behind that, too. But uh, suffice it to stay, say that uh, I got to meet Ray Charles, and uh, and he sang my song on the TV show. Never got to record it. He, he passed away before uh, he'd actually go into the studio because he expressed interest in doing that. But unfortunately, that did not happen. I, I actually had a song that was in the Macy's Day Thanksgiving Parade, and that, that was pretty special. Not everybody can say that, I guess. Um, and, of course, having songs on Sesame Street, that was pretty, pretty cool. Um, there was a show also called Fame. Some of you might remember, yep, the remember movie that. Fame or the TV show. So I had a song that got into that, and it was sung by Jimmy Osmond, who was one of the Osmond brothers. And they did this huge production number with dancing and singing and you know, that could, that was pretty cool. And uh, the other one that comes immediately to mind, um, I had a, there was a TV special called Elmo Palooza featuring the character Elmo and John Stewart from Comedy Central. He was the host of it. And believe it or not, John Stewart sings my song along with Elmo. So that was, that was kind of neat as well. Oh, that that's really good. I mean, I, I remember who's the boss. Um, I think it was Alyssa Milano too, and, and Tony Danza, something like that. Exactly. Yes. That's right. Um, so hopefully, uh, my audience will identify with some of those shows, and they'll remember. They'll bring back some memories. Um, it was great just having a relaxing conversation on, on two four seven real talk. Like I said, we're known for a lot of serious. Talk, but every so often, you know, to bring some entertainment to my audience is a treat. So I thank you so much for joining me for this episode. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Well, the feeling's mutual, and thanks for all the surprising and and uh, penetrating questions. Uh, I actually had to use my brain for a couple of minutes. Oh, real <laughs> talk, sure you you have to, yes. Okay, so no, stay great. on the thanks, line, thanks and I'll be doing. right back. But thanks again. Thank you. Yeah. I want to say a very special thank you to my guest, Mr. Dennis Scott, for bringing us his stories about Mr. Rogers' project and all the projects he's worked on and bringing something like to this time that where we deal with so many serious topics, it's nice to have a little entertainment in between. So thanks so much to Dennis Scott. I also want to say thank you to my supporters, as I always do, reminding you that you can listen to this episode and any of my podcast episodes on your favorite podcast app. If you'd like to leave me a message, if you'd like to be a guest on the show, you can email me at podcast at 247realtalk.net. That's podcast at 247realtalk.net. As we always do when I end the show, I'll tell you once again, take care of yourselves and each other.